After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up. Take your mat and walk. And at once the man was healed. He took up his mat and walked. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Am I on? Did I turn it on right? Sorry. Am I good, Jason? I think so. Yes, I'm off mute. I gotta be smarter than the equipment. <laughs> there it is. There we go. No? You know, some Sunday mornings seem to just fly by, and uh, <laughs> this is one of them. <laughs> Wait, I had it on mute. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there you are. Thank you. Okay. Yay. <laughs> All right. Good morning. <laughs> Um, Before we dive into the scripture text that Cindy read for us this morning, I wanted to uh, tell you how happy and honored I am to not only be in front of you today, but to also uh, be here for another year uh, to share in mission and ministry and serve with you here at Parkway Heights. Um, I'm also super excited about working with Bruce Case, our new pastor, and I know that you will be too. want to remind you again that two weeks from today is Bruce's first Sunday, 10 a.m. worship in this room, and I hope that you will plan to be here with us. So let's pray and see what God has to say to us this morning. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. 38 years. 38 years is a long time to sit on a mat. Apparently, this wasn't just any kind of pool. There was a belief that this pool of water called Bethesda had healing properties and that it could change one's life. It was rumored that angels came periodically and stirred the waters, and whoever dove into the waters first received miraculous healing. So needless to say, people from near and far flocked to this spot for a chance to get in those bubbling waters. 
The man in today's gospel won't get up off of his mat until he sees the first bubble. Every day is the same, waiting, watching, hoping. Not much changes. Sitting on the mat has become a way of life for the man in today's gospel. His life was stagnant. He was convinced that life would bubble up over there in that magic pool of water. So he sat on his mat, waiting and watching and hoping that things would change. As you can imagine, it was a bit of a hopeless situation. This man was living what I would call an as-soon-as life. As soon as the waters bubble, I will get up off my mat. As soon as I get into the water, my life will be better. As soon as I get into the water, my life will be fixed. The pool of Bethesda is an illusion, though. It convinces us that our life is nothing more than our circumstances. It deceives us into believing that life is found outside ourselves, and it tricks us into living an as-soon-as life. Most of us know what that's like. We say to ourselves, or maybe, maybe even out loud to one another, as soon as this or that happens, everything will be better and I'll be happy. My problems will go away and I'll be satisfied. All will be well as soon as. The pool of Bethesda has a strong attraction. Children often say, as soon as I get big or grow up or become an adult, and it continues throughout our life, as soon as I graduate, get a job, get a better job, as soon as I get married or get out of this relationship, As soon as I have more time, more money, a better house. As soon as he changes the way he acts. As soon as she apologizes. As soon as I feel better or get through this time in my life. As soon as they do what I want. As soon as I get a vacation, retire, move to the mountains. As soon as I get over this grief and no longer feel sad, as soon as, and this is my favorite, as soon as I lose 10 pounds, get in shape. (laughs) As soon as. You can fill the blank in with almost anything. The problem is that there will always be another pool of Bethesda. Meanwhile, life has been put on hold. The pause button has been pushed, and we sit on our mat, resigned to the circumstances of our life. The resignation is so great that when Jesus asked the man, do you want to be healed, the man doesn't even say yes. Instead, he offers circumstances and excuses. I have no one to put me in the water. When the water bubbles, someone else always gets there first. Think about it. This man has been sick for 38 years. He's comfortable in his disease at this point. He's resigned himself to being a victim and blaming others. 
He's having a pity pool party. And I probably would too, after so many years of suffering and rejection. Think of the year's worth of hopes that flared every time the water stirred and how that hope immediately choked and drowned as another person inevitably made it into the healing waters first. Do you want to be healed? The sick man could have understandably laughed at the question. Maybe he did. Maybe he had to cough to hide a sarcastic snort. Or maybe he was so numb from the decades of futile attempts that he just shrugged and offered the only answer he could muster. Resignation is a dangerous thing. Now, I'm not suggesting that the circumstances of our life are irrelevant or have little effect because that's just not true. They do affect us. We are, however, more than the circumstances of our life. Life is not to be found outside our various situations and circumstances, but within them. To believe something other than this is to live constantly looking for the bubbling waters of the next pool of Bethesda. Jesus, in all his grace, gave the sick man a double blessing. He healed his body, but he also awakened his heart. He gave this man back a sense of purpose. He freed him from the bonds of self-pity, pride, fear, discouragement, hopelessness, and resignation, all in one amazingly effective command. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. I imagine the man thinking, wait, what? I haven't even gotten into the waters yet. That's why I love Jesus so much. He didn't pity this guy. He didn't pat him on the shoulder and say, there, there, and offer to piggyback him over to the pool. He didn't give up on him either and say, well, better luck next time. Nor did he bring down a dozen angels with pomp and circumstance. Jesus did something so much more powerful. He invited the man into his own healing process. The man does not leave his mat behind. It goes with him. His circumstances are real. The difference is now he carries them. They no longer carry him. Now think about our sicknesses, our emotional wounds, our scars, our grudges, our bitterness, our unforgiveness, the disease that we've formed around ourselves like a wall effectively keeping out any additional pain and suffering. We're used to it. It's like a security blanket at this point. It's scratchy and a little damp, but it's your blankie now. You talk about getting rid of your blankie, how it's awful and it stinks, and you're so desperate to be free of it. And yet when anyone tries to take it away, You hold on tight. Do you want to be healed? 
Notice how the sick man had resigned himself to lingering near the healing, but not participating in it. How often do we do that? We come to church, but we sit in the back and we smile a smile that doesn't reach our eyes. We still respond to our friend's text asking how we are with doing great and refuse to be vulnerable. We might even still read our Bible, but we skip the passages that convict and read the ones that make us feel safe instead. In many ways, the sick man had given up, yet he was still enticed enough by the pool and the potential that he couldn't let himself get too far away. Maybe some rogue hope still lived deep inside, even after all this time. Maybe that's what Jesus recognized and responded to. Maybe that's why Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? He already knew the answer. But the sick man needed to know the answer. He needed to participate in his own healing. He needed to face that sometimes healing can be dangerous. It can even hurt worse than the original wound. Broken bones have to be set. And that setting can first mean re-breaking. It's easy to pray to God and ask him to heal us, to strengthen us, to remove this issue in our life, to free us from our infirmities. But are we truly willing to be healed? Are we ready to let go of that security blanket and give Jesus access to those scabbed, wounded places? If so, it means we have to get up and walk. It means using sedentary muscles not used to exercise. It means allowing blood to flow into places that have long been paralyzed. It could hurt. Most likely, it will hurt a lot at first. My husband, Sid, recently returned from serving a year on active duty in Kosovo. He is a soldier with a story, a story that's not easy for him to tell or for someone who loves him to hear. But I have his permission to share it with you this morning. Sid grew up poor, not the kind of poor a person reminisces about, but the kind of poor a person languishes in. His one shot was school. And during his freshman year at school, his parents were audited and he no longer qualified for financial aid. So he joined the army and was stationed at Fort Ord in California as an infantryman in the 7th Infantry Division Light. He was too smart for his position and rank. He could plot directions and do computations in his head when his leaders had to stop and pull out pen and paper. He was not liked very much. But in spite of that, he did well in the Army. In 1989, his unit was sent on the invasion of Panama. As far as the public knew, the invasion of Panama was over in three days. In fact, there were parades celebrating the troops' return home. However, Sid's particular unit remained in the jungles for several months following those parades. 
During that time, he watched as one of his unit helicopters crashed in the jungle, killing five of his friends and leaving him hiding in the jungle, waiting for rescue. The public never heard about it because there were no forces left in Panama. Sid was sent on the funeral detail of his best friend and roommate, Tony. It was at this time that he discovered the Army had not been truthful with Tony's family. It was also at this time, four months after his 21st birthday, that he began to drink. Sid says that during this time in his life, he was either asleep, on duty, or drunk. He lived in this profoundly tragic state for six months, spending what he estimated to be $8,000 on alcohol during this time. When I asked Sid how he quit drinking and pulled his life together, he said a friend told him to quit drinking and get out of the army, just like that. And so he did, just like that. That sounds easy, doesn't it? (laughs) But if you ask Sid, he'll tell you that he had two choices. Throw his life away, hold on to that blankie, or quit hiding behind the alcohol and get up and walk. Today, Sid will tell you that he's been able to put that horrific tragedy of watching his friends die in his past and move on, not because it's easy or he's special or different. He still has the memories. The difference is now he carries them. They no longer carry Sid because he picked up his mat and walked. Jesus doesn't change our outer circumstances. He changes us. He calls us into a new way of being, seeing, acting, speaking, thinking. When we stand and pick up our mat and walk into that new life, we discover the circumstances have somehow changed. That doesn't necessarily make life easy or mean we no longer have to deal with the circumstances of life. It makes our circumstances more manageable, and we engage them from a different place and perspective. The sickness, the failures, the weaknesses, the mistakes of the past from which we could not rise become the testimonies that we carry. The pool of Bethesda is drained of its power over us. There is freedom where there was once imprisonment. Stagnant waters now bubble with new life. The life that Jesus offers is the difference between living your life poolside and swimming freely in the abundant life that God has for us as his children. And that life happens in this place at this time, and in these circumstances. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we're so thankful for your presence in our lives. Help us to reach for that abundant life that you have for us. Give us the courage to get up and use the circumstances of our lives to tell people about you 
and how great and awesome you are. We pray this morning with boldness, knowing that you hear our prayers and that you answer them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.